Welcome to the Share What You Learned podcast. I'm Amy Patricic, a learning enthusiast and the host of the show. The Share What You Learned podcast is designed for learning professionals to share something they're learning in the field of instructional design. Today, I'm talking to Larry Delgado about what he's been learning about diversity, equity, and inclusion in learning experiences. Welcome to the show, Larry. Thank you so much, Amy, for having me. It is a pleasure to be here. Yeah, such a such a treat to have you. I know you a little bit, but I would love if you could introduce yourself to my listeners. Yes, uh, as you stated, my name is Larry Delgado. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, his. I identify as a cisgender Latino male. Uh, I was born and raised in South Florida as a first-generation American born of uh, Nicaraguan parents. Uh, I joined the Army right out of high school in 1993. I was a personnel administration specialist and retired in December of 2017. Uh, I started off as a personnel administration specialist and I ended up my career as a uh, chief warrant officer. While I served my time in, in the Army, I deployed to Afghanistan and Iraq, plus various training exercises around the globe. After I transitioned from the Army, I worked as a learning and development administrator for Pierce Transit, and my current role is a diversity, equity, and inclusion development manager for Washington State's Department of Enterprise Services, where I lead a team of four DEI design and delivery professionals tasked with delivering a DEI training to all of Washington State employees. So when this episode airs, another episode will have already aired by someone named Joe Waddington. Are you familiar with Joe Waddington? <laughs> Uh, Joe is a superhero in the e-learning world, and he is actually working on some of my products. And I'm just dumbfounded by the uh, just the the grace that he works in in the e-learning industry and, and and space, and how he took something I created and made it so much better. So yes, Joe is a a superstar. I'm a big fan as well, and hopefully the rest of the world is as well as they've, at the time this airs, like his will have aired as well, so they will hear his goodness. He's quite a treat. So um, yes, him, uh, Larry, and Joe currently work for Washington Enterprise Services. So that's the connection there. Well, Larry, what an extensive background you have. I'm just kind of blown away with all that you've done and all of the experiences that you've had. And I love the progression from learning and development into diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think there's a lot of intertwined overlap that happens there. But before we really dive into all of that, can we take a step back and you could maybe define diversity, equity, and inclusion for us? Sure. So I, I love this analogy that I've heard. I can't remember from who the, the speaker was, um, but it's if if you're aware it's the party or the dance analogy as it relates to diversity, equity, inclusion. You can look at DEI work as being asked to the dance, right? In that diversity is asking everyone to the dance, all races, gender identities, orientation, age, their neurodiversity, marital status, veteran status, disability or ability status, and or their uh, socioeconomic background or education level, right? So the, that diversity is, is opening the invitation to all parties involved um, of all demographics. Um, one could look at inclusion as asking all of those demographics that I mentioned previously to sit down at the table and provide uh, feedback and input to the party, right? So if uh, you include all these individuals, gaining the input from 
their various group identities and providing them a safe space to provide input as far as like, so what's the theme going to be like in this particular party? Um, what type of decorations are we going to have? What type of music are we going to play? What type of beverages are we going to serve? What's the theme of this party? In order to get their feedback and feel that they are, they have a voice in this you know world, I see equity as ensuring that everyone has what they specifically need to get to that dance and or party, right? So are there any costs associated with going to the party or going to the dance that may adversely impact uh, someone's ability to attend the dance? Does the venue have accommodations for uh, persons with disability? How do we get these participants to this particular dance, right? If they're in, in rural local areas that don't have public transportation, right? It's these things that we have to take into account, um, making sure that it's equitable for everyone to, to show up to the dance and or, or the party. Once each of these previous buckets have been addressed, uh, that diversity where we ask everyone to the dance, inclusion where we ask for their feedback and their input as far as the preparation for the dance, and that equity to make sure that everyone is allowed to get there. Um, once these have all been addressed, then you have that sense of belonging where my voice was heard, valued, and my input was put into place. And now I have a feeling of belonging because I've, I've had some skin in the game and I can enjoy that party and show up with my authentic self, right? Because I was able to put my slice of the pie in, into the, the, the banquet, if you will. That was wonderful. I've heard bits of that analogy before, but I'm, I just, my brain kept thinking the whole time you're saying that, golly, he's like in learning and development. Like he understands how to take an idea and break it down and make it accessible to everyone. So I really appreciate that analogy. And I think DEI are words that are thrown around a lot. And I think differentiating what that means and, and thus then thinking about how we're using them is really important as learning professionals. So I really appreciate you breaking that down. Yeah, no problem. So you do have a background in learning and development. Recently, in the last year or so, made the switch over to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Can you tell us a little bit about that transition and maybe help bridge that gap for others who are trying to understand that overlap? I see a lot of it, but you're the pro here, so I want to hear it directly from your mouth. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I really love learning and development and continue to have a passion for learning and development. As you can imagine, I've spent countless hours training my soldiers when I was in the service to be the most effective and efficient, well-rounded HR professionals and warriors they could be, right? So I, that was one of the things that really drove my career uh, in, in the military is making sure that those soldiers got what they needed as far as professional development, the uh, military education, civilian education they needed to move up the ranks in the Army. That passion followed me to my first post-service role as the Learning and Development Administrator with Pierce Transit where I worked with employees to establish specific career paths, facilitated various professional development courses, as well as serving as the chair for their DEI program. In that role as a DEI program manager, I realized, I realized early that we couldn't, let, we couldn't wait to let learners come to us, right? As a learning and development administrator, we had to meet the organizational learners' needs where they, they were needed, right? As an example, we had individuals that work 24-7 and swift swing shift. So as a learning and development administrator, we understand that professional development is not a nine to five Monday through Friday. So being able to look at it through an equity lens that says, how can we ensure not just those staff employees are being professionally developed, but also those that are on swing shift, that are on 24-7s, that work weekends. 
and I went to my manager and I asked, hey, may I, may I switch or shift my uh, work hours so I can come in later in the day, stay later at night so we can provide this facilitation to these individuals in these work groups that don't work the typical nine to five. Similarly, I realized that we needed to establish organizational learning culture of growth and development. How can we get an individual in Pierce Transit's case from being a bus operator um, with an eye on, let's say, human resources, financing, marketing, IT? How can we get them out of the seat of a bus and into those roles that they want to aspire to? And what obstacles can we remove? As a chair of the DEI program, I realized that there were specific gaps in between the employees that we were having. So taking a holistic look at how can we mitigate these gaps? Not everyone is as technologically savvy as my 21-year-old daughter who's been programming and, and doing websites since she was in junior high school. So how do we take those employees in and provide them with the skill set that they need to grow not only within the organization, but also reach out to the communities that we serve. We form partnerships with Tacoma Urban League, form partnerships with the Goodwill, we form partnerships on Joint Base Lewis McCord to help transitioning service members as they're leaving the service and possibly looking for employment, not just in Pierce Transit, but in other places as well. And also uh, looking at the uh, Microsoft's uh, Military Spouse Technology Academy. We had no women or those that identified as women in our IT department. So as the learning and development administrator and the, the chair for the DEI program, I was like, well, what can we do to reach out to more women in the communities to get them brought into Pierce Transit, show them what we're all about and help them move up those ladders? So that learning and development role and having the opportunity to serve as the chair of the DEI program helped me blend those two areas. And I really got a liking towards it, seeing that there was so much need to make things equitable in the professional development, recruiting and hiring of the communities that we serve. Hence, uh, when the position was available at Washington State Department of Enterprise Services, Joanne Lee brought it to my attention, I applied, and now it's allowed me the ability to focus on the diversity, the equity, the inclusion of Washington State and the communities that we serve. I think what I heard just on repeat woven throughout all of that was mindfulness and attentiveness to the learner. And it's not just, I'm going to build this learning experience or this training because it's, well, actually these learners are up, uh, they work 24 seven, they work later. Like we need to be thinking about this and all of these different components you brought in. And I think that the more you're talking like, yep, then the natural progression is right into DEI. So thank you for sharing your experience and kind of that progression intertwining from you because you have such plethora of awareness on both the L&D space and DEI. I'm curious what kind of changes you would like to see in the L&D space in regards to DEI. One of the things that I, I didn't realize going into my current role was just the deliberate nature as learning and development facilitators and trainers to uh, address the accessibility issue within learning and development and training and development. Um, I have a newfound respect for the amount of uh, intentionality and specificity that facilitators and trainers need in order to make their products as accessible to those with impairments, whether they're visual or auditory learners, and, and make sure that we make our products as accessible as possible to make sure that those individuals aren't uh, excluded from the professional development and, and learning aspects 
of uh, our organizations. I think there's a reason that accessibility is such a buzzword in our industry is because so many companies, businesses are struggling with how do we continue to make our trainings, our courses more accessible to a diversity of learners instead of just, we put subtitles on the video, we're good. That's exactly right. And and it's, it, as you stated, it's not just as much as like subtitles, but also, you know, how do we welcome in these participants with some of these disabilities and make them not feel othered in the classroom, not feel like we're catering specifically to them and making them feel like they they have a spotlight on them, but just making them as inclusive as part of the class as anyone else. I think when we feel like we belong, we're more apt to engage in the learning process and also interact with the material as well and not just be someone sitting back. But if you're able to access the content, then you're likely going to be interacting with it as well. Great call out. What are some tangible steps that we as L&D professionals can do in our learning experiences to bring in more DEI? I mean, I know we subtitles, I feel like is the go-to, but what are some other things we can be doing or thinking about? Uh, I think one thing that as L&D professionals to increase that learning experience is being cognizant of the audiences that we're facilitating, right? Being able to take a landscape view of what's occurring in our classes, right? Who's speaking? Who isn't speaking? Who's in the room? Who isn't in the room? You know, are there any power dynamics within the rooms? You know, is one of our learners sucking up all the oxygen and not allowing others uh, to contribute to the conversation and being able to identify what those nuances are? You know, again, I'm going to throw a, a big uh, a word out that's, that's really popular nowadays, these microaggressions, right, that occur in the classroom and being able to say, hey, uh, I don't think Amy was finished with her thought. Amy, could you finish your thought and then we'll come back to Larry um, in order for him to get his insight. But having that wherewithal as we're facilitating, one of the things that we do at Department of Enterprise Services is we open up facilitation with our pronouns, right? So my name is Larry Delgado. My pronouns are he, him, his in solidarity with the LGBTQ plus community to make that the norm right? That homage to the LGBTQ community to say, hey, we're here and we're supporting you. And it drives that conversation. Uh, I had somebody reach out to me, one of my uh, old army buddies on LinkedIn. He says, hey, I noticed that you have on your name, he, him, what's that about? So I had to, I use that as an opportunity to say, well, you know, the pronouns are being used now as a way to stand in solidarity with the LGBTQ plus community, as well as supporting them and saying, hey, and driving that conversation. So just those parentheses in my LinkedIn, and as you're opening up in facilitation is saying that my pronouns are he, him, she, her, they, them, in order to make it a more inclusive facilitation or training. My brain is going to is just the reminder that we as learning and development professionals cannot do our jobs passively, that it has to be a really intentional and mindful in whatever role you are. If you're a facilitator, if you're building the courses behind the scenes as an instructional designer, if you're the program manager, whatever your role is, is that that intentionality and mindfulness of the learners, of the content, all of those things. Are, and the people in our world, the variety of people in our world is, is so important. And one more thing is, is like also as we're developing these courses is what are the graphics that we're utilizing, right, in our, in our presentations, right? Are they representative of the audiences that we're teaching, of the communities that we're serving? I couldn't tell you how difficult it is nowadays, even developing curriculum with Washington State is just how hard it was to locate 
graphics of individuals with apparent disabilities. I mean, we had to scroll through through pictures and pictures just to get you know these photographs. But it's that mindfulness of having that representation on the slides or in the participant guide that's going to have our learners feel more in included in, in the training. So if someone is wanting to learn more about DEI in the L&D space, where would you recommend they turn? Maybe it's a thought leader to follow, maybe it's books or resources. What comes to mind for you? So the great news is that there is no shortage of resources when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I was recently shown this, this one website called uh, dismantlingracism.org, and our leadership group was in the process of using this website as a discussion point for our weekly meetings. And each week, one of the managers is taking one piece of this dismantlingracism.org website, such as assumptions, such as uh, racism, white privilege, and each of us are teaching the other managers, what they learned of that specific specific website. But ATD, the Association for Talent Development, is a great source. Uh, SHRM is a great source. And then obviously all the, all the alphabets, right? The HBRs of the world, the uh, Forbes magazines gives you great statistics, or just even Google case studies. And there's Government Alliance with Race and Equity. Uh, that's also a, a great uh, resource uh, if you want to look into it. I appreciate you sharing all of that. I think one of the things that was really painful for me as I was thinking about recording this episode with you was, golly, how are we supposed to dissect diversity, equity, and inclusion in about 25 minutes? Because it is a conversation that deserves way more time, way more thought than that. And so I've done my best in this micro learning of a podcast to dive into this with Larry here. But what I really hope for my listeners is this is not the end of their journey and they take Larry up on some of these resources and begin to point their toes or dip their toes in additional resources and next steps and begin applying some of these things into their work experiences. I'm going to transition us now into the rapid round. These are questions I ask every one of my guests. We're excited to see where you take these questions. Okay, let's do it. All right, the first one, learning is? Uh, a lifelong process. When you're mustering up the courage to learn something new, what song do you put on? So this is going to depend. If it's something that involves deep thought processes that I'm not familiar with, I usually go with more of a classical music to help me focus. If it is something that comes second nature to me that I just have to get it knocked out, I'm comfortable in, in, in doing these tasks. A lot of it opens up with like some old school rap. I would say LL Cool J, Run DMC, or when I want to merge two worlds together, one of my favorite albums of all time is Linkin Park's Collision Course. It's a collaboration with, between Linkin Park and Jay-Z, and I absolutely love it. It gets me hyped every time. I secretly say one of the perks or reasons I have a standing desk is when I'm in that mode and I'm listening to that kind of music, then you can do your dances and still get your work done. <laughs> There's a lot of toe tapping going on in the Delgado household nowadays. You're asked to do a brand new task with a skill set you do not yet have. Where do you turn? Again, some of those uh, uh, ATD, SHRM, YouTube, great resource to get you started. Or speaking of old school is going back to that old trainer's Rolodex and I'll say, hey, 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 Amy, I was wondering if you could help me out with this problem. I'm, I'm trying to do X. You know, do you have a moment that I can pick your brain? I love that you called it a Rolodex. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and if you don't know what a Rolodex is, if you're of that generation, Google it. You'll figure it out. <laughs> Without learning. Life would be pretty boring. No, thank you. I'm so glad we have learning. 
What's the best way for my listeners to be in contact with you after the show, Larry, if they're interested in connecting with you? And then my follow-up to that would be, if there's anything that you're working on right now that you'd love to give a shout out for, here's the space and time to do it. Listeners can find me on LinkedIn. That's pretty much the only type of social media that I'm on. As far as what we're working on right now, I want to give a shout out to Washington State, particularly Governor Inslee's his new initiative. The DEI initiative within Washington State government is being implemented to provide required DEI training for more than 65,000 employees. It's a heavy lift for the team and I to do. But this initiative focuses on an emerging level of understanding of DEI behaviors, concepts, and terminologies based on DEI competencies and glossary-related terms that was established through a very um, rigorous vetting process of multiple stakeholders within Washington State in order to foster a culture of diversity, equity, inclusion within Washington State employees, those within the employment of Washington State, as well as the communities we serve. So looking forward to launching this. That sounds massive and an amazing project to be a part of. So high five. And I'm so glad you gave a shout out here. Thanks so much, Larry, for sharing all things diversity, equity, inclusion with us today. I also want to give a shout out to you, my listeners, for learning with us today. Until next time, stay open, receptive, and kind.